Book Two, Chapter Sixteen of Resurrection. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Philip Griffiths. Resurrection by Leo Tolstoy. Translated by Louise Maud. Book Two, Chapter Sixteen an up-to-date senator when nekhludoff remembered the smiles that had passed between him and mariette he shook his head you have hardly time to turn round before you are again drawn into this life he thought feeling that discord and those doubts which the necessity to curry favour from people he did not esteem caused after considering where to go first so as not to have to retrace his steps nekhludoff set off for the senate there he was shown into the office where he found a great many very polite and very clean officials in the midst of a magnificent apartment maslova's petition was received and handed on to that wolf to whom nekhludoff had a letter from his uncle to be examined and reported on there will be a meeting of the senate this week the official said to nekhludoff but Maslova's case will hardly come before that meeting. It might come before the meeting on Wednesday, by special request, one of the officials remarked. During the time Nekhludoff waited in the office, while some information was being taken, he heard that the conversation in the Senate was all about the duel, and he heard a detailed account of how a young man, Kaminsky, had been killed. It was here he first heard all the facts of the case which was exciting the interest of all Petersburg. The story was this. Some officers were eating oysters and, as usual, drinking very much, when one of them said something ill-natured about the regiment to which Kaminsky belonged, and Kaminsky called him a liar. The other hit Kaminsky. The next day they fought. Kaminsky was wounded in the stomach and died two hours later. The murderer and the seconds were arrested, but it was said that though they were arrested and in the guardhouse, they would be set free in a fortnight. From the Senate, Nekhludoff drove to see an influential member of the petition committee, Baron Vorobyov, who lived in a splendid house belonging to the Crown. The doorkeeper told Nekhludoff in a severe tone that the Baron could not be seen except on his reception days that he was with his majesty the emperor to-day and the next day he would again have to deliver a report nekhludoff left his uncle's letter with the doorkeeper and went on to see the senator wolf wolf had just had his lunch and was as usual helping digestion by smoking a cigar and pacing up and down the room when nekhludoff came in vladimir vasilievich wolf was certainly on home tricom il faut and prized this quality very highly. And from that elevation he looked down at everybody else. He could not but esteem this quality of his very highly, because it was thanks to it alone that he had made a brilliant career, the very career he desired, i.e. by marriage he obtained a fortune which brought him in 18,000 roubles a year, and by his own exertions the post of a senator, he considered himself not only un homme très comme but also a man of knightly honour. By honour he understood not accepting secret bribes from private persons, 
but he did not consider it dishonest to beg money for payment of fares and all sorts of travelling expenses from the crown and to do anything the government might require of him in return to ruin hundreds of innocent people to cause them to be imprisoned to be exiled because of their love for their people and the religion of their fathers as he had done in one of the governments of poland when he was governor there he did not consider it dishonourable but even thought it a noble manly and patriotic action nor did he consider it dishonest to rob his wife and sister-in-law as he had done but thought it a wise way of arranging his family life his family consisted of his commonplace wife his sister-in-law whose fortune he had appropriated by selling her estate and putting the money into his account and his meek frightened plain daughter who lived a lonely weary life from which she had lately begun to look for relaxation in evangelicism attending meetings at daylines and the countess katrina ivanovna wolf's son who had grown a beard at the age of fifteen and had at that age begun to drink and lead a depraved life which he continued to do until the age of twenty when he was turned out by his father because he never finished his studies moved in a low set and made debts which committed the father the father had once paid a debt of two hundred and fifty roubles for his son then another of six hundred roubles but warned the son that he did it for the last time and that if the son did not reform he would be turned out of the house and all further intercourse between him and his family would he put a stop to the son did not reform but made a debt of a thousand roubles and took the liberty of telling his father that life at home was a torment anyhow then wolf declared to his son that he might go where he pleased that he was no son of his any longer since then wolf pretended he had no son and no one at home dared speak to him about his son and vladimir vasilievich wolf was firmly convinced that he had arranged his family life in the best way wolf stopped pacing up and down his study and greeted nekhludoff with a friendly though slightly ironical smile this was his way of showing how comil foe he was and how superior to the majority of men he read the note which nekhludoff handed to him please take a seat and excuse me if i continue to walk up and down with your permission he said putting his hands into his coat pockets and began again to walk with light soft steps across his large quietly and stylishly furnished study very pleased to make your acquaintance and of course very glad to do anything that count ivan mikhailovitch wishes he said blowing the fragrant blue smoke out of his mouth and removing his cigar carefully so as not to drop the ash i should only like to ask that the case might come on soon so that if the prisoner has to go to siberia she might set off early said nekhludoff yes yes with one of the first steamers from nijni i know said wolf with his patronizing smile always knowing in advance whatever one wanted to tell him what is the prisoner's name maslova wolf went up to the table and looked at a paper that lay on a piece of cardboard among other business papers yes yes maslova all right i will ask the others we shall hear the case on wednesday then may i telegraph to the advocate the advocate what's that for 
but if you like why not the causes for appeal may be insufficient said nekhludoff but i think the case will show that the sentence was passed owing to a misunderstanding yes yes it may be so but the senate cannot decide the case on its merits said wolf looking seriously at the ash of his cigar the senate only considers the exactness of the application of the laws and their right interpretation but this seems to me to be an exceptional case i know i know all cases are exceptional we shall do our duty that's all the ash was still holding on but had begun breaking and was in danger of falling do you often come to petersburg said wolf holding his cigar so that the ash should not fall but the ash began to shake and wolf carefully carried it to the ash-pan into which it fell what a terrible thing this is with regard to kaminsky he said a splendid young man the only son especially the mother's position he went on repeating almost word for word what everyone in petersburg was at that time saying about kaminsky wolf spoke a little about the countess katerina ivanovna and her enthusiasm for the new religious teaching which he neither approved nor disapproved of but which was evidently needless to him who was so comil foe and then rang the bell nekhludoff bowed if it is convenient come and dine on wednesday and i will give you a decisive answer said wolf extending his hand it was late and nekhludoff returned to his aunts End of chapter sixteen